Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range. Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series features real mums and parents talking about the beautiful but often hard work of raising children today. Joining me in studio is a wonderful panel. First up is mum of four and blogger of Love Life and Little Ones, Laura Doyle, the fabulous pharmacist, Laura Dowling, and renowned sexologist, Emily Powersmith. You're all more than welcome. And today we are discussing a really relevant topic, sex and relationships. So connecting with somebody, I think, romantically and emotionally um, and physically can be absolutely amazing, particularly at the start. But there is a lot of hard work, and certainly from my own perspective, having had Felix six months ago and being pregnant, um, I think it was really difficult to maintain not only a relationship, but like a sex life. Um, And I think that might increase as the kids increase if there are going to be other ones but just coming to you first Emily at the beginning of a relationship everything's new everything's kind of fabulous and it's a lot easier you don't have other stuff going on would you kind of agree with that yeah I mean we're talking generalizations Absolutely. here Absolutely. so we're not talking there are always people who are going to have difficulties even with that at the start of relationships of course. but we have to understand that biologically and hormonally the first between six months to two years of any relationship is going to be easier because we have all these sex hormones um, racing around our systems so just even I'm sure we all remember the, just the name of the person we're yeah, mad into is enough in to love. get us a little bit you know saucy and then just the slightest <laughs> touch gets us a little bit turned on you yeah. know so that's normal because actually we our bodies still work um, in the way that we worked centuries and centuries and centuries ago so we're trying to find a sexual partner so that we can procreate our bodies are doing that our minds of course are are modern and doing a whole load of other stuff and but our, our bodies are stuff. still built to to connect in that way so that we have sex so that's all really normal and natural for the people that it works for like that um, then when that starts to wear off, it's just because the hormones begin to change. Now, there's other things as well with the relationship that may change things mm-hmm. and life factors. But but just from the physiological perspective and the hormonal perspective, it begins to change, particularly for women. And their hormones change, so their priorities will change Um and now we choose to stay in long-term relationships and we choose to commit to a person. Or um, uh, That isn't necessarily what we originally did when our, we, our, our bodies got set up for this. Um, so it does change. And what I actually see a lot of people coming to me after about two years saying, we have to end this relationship. We don't have that. Um, we don't fancy each other anymore. We don't have that chemistry anymore. So it's time to break up. It's obviously not right. But actually all it is is they're mistakenly missing that this is the next stage you enter and it's quite normal and natural if you're going to choose to stay together in a long-term relationship for hormones to change and then it becomes as you say effort to stay in the relationship because naturally way back when we wouldn't have necessarily done that so choosing to stay in means we have to all we we wanted to do was procreate centuries and centuries ago isn't that it so it was about survival survival of the the, of of our of our our species absolutely Yeah. yeah and Laura coming to you did you feel that when you kind of settled into a more long-term relationship that things do alter and change and that's kind of the natural of course, ebb and flow of it? Absolutely. I think you become more comfortable in a relationship and you naturally change. Everything, you know, changes as, as the relationship grows and as, as you both get older and as you mature into the relationship and as you get to know each other better. I think so, definitely, yeah. And certainly I would see it, you know, even people, people coming into the pharmacy, 
you know, talking about things and friends, they would they would say the same. You know, you can't have that. But it's that face at the beginning of a relationship. Like I remember when I first started going out with my husband on our first date, I was absolutely broke, as is my life. Um, but I pretended I just wasn't particularly hungry. So he just <laughs> thought I was just like really delicate and ladylike when I actually just couldn't actually I was afraid I was going to have to clean the dishes so you, I think when you move into a long term relationship I think that mask falls a little Yeah. but I think that can also be very exciting because you can kind of really get to know somebody then yeah absolutely no of course it does and you feel more comfortable and that's the second stage of the relationship that Emily was talking mm. about I suppose you don't have all those hormones necessarily racing through your system you different and ones yeah different ones as well and, ones and more settled and bonding yeah what, what did they say? Lust is replaced with love long term? Is that it? Or well, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the quality of the sex starts to change as well, Emily. Maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely. And I think as you that. get to know somebody and kind of know what works for them and what works for you when you're more comfortable in your relationship, your quality of sex changes um, and, and maybe... In so it, it changes the so quality rather over than quantity. quantity. Well, I think so. Yeah, definitely. But I think as well, then as soon as as soon as you mention kids starting to try for a baby or having it a baby, it changes your sex life. It I mean, does. You're trying to avoid getting pregnant, possibly for the first little bit. Maybe I don't know. Um, but then once you are trying, actively trying, I mm. think even that changes mm. your psychology around sex. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I would find a lot of men have difficulty when they're try- when they know that the their wife is trying on, for yeah. a baby. You know, yes. I would have uh, you see prescriptions coming in for Viagra mm-hmm. for that reason because men find it difficult because all they want to do is have sex and enjoy it. They don't want to think there's an end. There's yeah. an end goal here to make a baby. It just kind of removes the. I suppose the excitement for them in, in a lot of ways. also relationships often get a bit tricky at that time as well and hormones are racing again for, for some people and, and the relationship can actually lose some of its intimacy. Mm. So then sex is more a job and more th- uh, and a means to an end and that brings the whole relationship into a different place for sex. So people can be really not liking each other very much but still we have to have sex at nine o'clock today because yeah. oh, there are two days this month. Yes. Exactly. So, so it's, yeah. there's hate sex yeah, <laughs> or resent, resentment yes. sex. <laughs> yeah. And penises just don't do well with that. Yeah. And they're sensitive creatures and they know and they hear it and so they, they can need a little bit of help with that. Vaginas don't necessarily do very well either with that, mm. but, but women can be just more focused on... <laughs> on the job at hand. Yeah, I think so. It's a tricky time. It and is I've heard t- loads. Any of my friends that have been trying for a baby, myself included, it's like, you know, if you're fighting with your partner, it's like, I'm ovulating. Forget about <laughs> Let's it. Let's go. Yeah. We have to do it today. And and you just get it done. And it takes the, the excitement and the, yeah. you know, out of sex, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then the baby comes along. Oh. <laughs> but to, going to you, Emily, though, we were talking about kind of the hormones and stuff. Mm. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that in a relationship, it's the intimacy. You know, sex kind of follows through. But the intimacy, like holding hands, the kind of dating each other, I think that can get forgotten about as well. Do you mm. find that if people are having issues that sometimes, you know, that's one of the first things oh, that yeah. can go? See, it's fascinating and it makes perfect sense when you think about it. We're all so used to this idea of, of the perfect relationship is one that where, that stays in the honeymoon period. For You know, that we all, we, where do we get our information from, first of all? Where are we educated from? And the answer is we aren't. So we're desperately trying to scrape together bits of information about how 
how to be sexual, but also how to be in a relationship. And then we throw in perfectionism. And then we throw in the anxiety that comes with never meeting that perfectionism. So that's kind of where a lot of us are starting all of this Mm -hmm. from. So it can be a very tricky situation to hold on to the intimacy. And how can pregnancy alter things? I mean, obviously, there's Mm. a huge amount more hormones going on. You've now kind of ticked the box in that, you know, the sex has actually, you know, gotten you to that stage. (laughs) But I know personally my sex drive just effectively disappeared. And I was shocked by that. I really mm. didn't expect that to happen to me when I was pregnant, but it, it really did. It just mm. evaporated altogether, which I know isn't other people's experience, mm. but it certainly was mine. What do you find that pregnancy can affect different women and men in different ways? Well, you're right. It's such a personal thing and there isn't really an across the board experience as far as I can make out. And you have to remember too that I see a skewed cohort. I see the people who are having difficulties, not the people who aren't. And so there are lots of those people as well. But certainly um, there's a fear around hurting the baby for for both, um, both partners. They can actually not be educated enough to know that that's not actually possible. Um, also, I think you'd know more about this than me, but the, towards the end of pregnancies, the cervix drops a bit. So actually, the vaginal canal can be shorter. So if deep penetration is still going on, it can feel like you could possibly be doing damage or having damage done to you. Just a caveat, you absolutely can't. You can continue to have, you know, from put on my midwifery hat for a second, you can have a very active and healthy sex life throughout. You know, it's whatever you feel. But Laura, you're the total opposite to me. You actually found it a really time that you loved your body yeah. and found it to be a really, really sexy time for you. Yeah, yeah. And I've spoken before on our Motherboard podcast about um, having a negative body image growing up and I never really liked my body and then I got pregnant and I loved my body. Um, I loved that it was growing this baby. I loved my curves. I loved my boobs. I felt really, really sexy um, and I my sex drive increased. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I don't, I don't know if that's the norm. Definitely out of my friends, it was unusual that I would feel more sexier during pregnancy. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's good to kind of see that there are ends of the spectrum because mm. I think maybe I was quite extreme in one way and what found what I found got me through and Emily I think this is one of the things is that I communicated like myself and my husband were able to actually talk and laugh Wonderful. about it. That's yeah. really important. And you know that we were brother and sister, really, wife yeah. and husband. Um but Laura, where did you fall in in your relationship in in your various different pregnancies? How did they affect things? Um, I loved being pregnant. I really did. And I loved giving birth. I'm one of those women that just, you know, loved all that, loved that aspect of my life. So, you know, I could have had, I think I could have had 10 kids and it wouldn't have taken it out of me. Now, maybe afterwards it would have done, you know, when the tiredness (laughs) and everything sets in. But certainly, you know, I just, I was one of those people that loved being pregnant. But I equally had friends and have people that I know that just did not like it. And they, you know, they didn't enjoy being pregnant at all. Um, they felt fat, they felt like their body had changed and they had no control over it. So, as you say, I think there's like totally two opposite ends It really ends is a spectrum, spectrum isn't yeah. it, Emily? Like it really is. There's a huge spectrum mm. there of, and it's all normal. And I, absolutely. And I think something that's also really important, we're talking about sex, but I think it's really important as well that if you're not feeling able for the full-blown penetrative experience, we could reassess what sex has to mean for people at different stages in their relationship and their lives. So, you know, sex for 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 a start, sex um, between 
a same-sex couple won't be the same as sex between a heterosexual couple. So if you're just talking about and sex, that's still the word, absolutely normal sex. We yeah. have to think about what people mean by that. So yeah, penetrative sex is one kind of sex. But if you don't feel up for that, I think it's very easy for us to throw everything out the out the door if we're not in for in for, up for the whole thing. But certainly when we're tired and we might be sore, we might be leading up to giving birth and we just don't feel like doing all that or we don't have the energy or the time, it's time to reassess how to still connect intimately and sexually without it necessarily having to be the full-blown act, which can just be too much for people. And that's okay. that's normal. Yeah. That's okay. And it's one of the things in, in a kind of a late pregnancy clinic, people will say, you know, I'm sick of being pregnant. How do I, you know, move things along naturally? And one of the actual very um, thing that actually is proven to work is actually having sex. There's two reasons. There's prostaglandins that are released and there's also oxytocin that's released and also the the physicality of it can get things moving along. But a lot of the time people say like, "Eh, no, thank you. I would (laughs) be pregnant for another 20 months rather than that. And other people, it's it's not an issue. So I do see that from a midwifery side of things that there really is a huge range. I think what's important to say, all of it's normal. It's about what's comfortable for you and to keep kind of, I suppose, talking about it, which can be tough. I think it would be great if couples could, if we were taught to have conversations prior to the birth happening, that couples learned how to have that conversation, that couples were more more geared towards how to do it as a team. It could still feel sometimes very mysterious. The woman is pregnant. She's doing all of this stuff. She's going to have the baby and then she's going to change and she's not going to. And the guy is sort of not sure what to do about that. Wouldn't it be amazing if he knew to connect with her in a way that wasn't sexual, but was meaningful, helpful, and intimate. But yeah, because this is the really interesting thing. A loving couple, let's take a heterosexual couple, are both going to be looking for intimacy. But what we know is there's a little bit of a difference in the brains. The the male brain feels intimacy from sexual acts. Mm. The female brain tends to need to feel intimacy to want to be sexual. So so when you know that, you can work as a team about that rather than thinking, oh, he He'd have sex with me anyway. He'd have sex on top of that pile of laundry. He doesn't give a damn. Or we're in the middle of a fight. How could you want to have sex? You're crazy. And he's thinking, she's withholding. She's punishing me. But actually, they both just want to be connected. But they do it from different ends of the act, if you know what I mean. And Laura, I mean, you've talked about this before. It's so important to bring your husband or bring your partner, um, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, along that journey with you. Yeah, I think communication is key. And Emily, as you've said, I think Mm -hmm. just having an open and honest conversation about what you need or what you want from your partner either side of it is really, really important, you know, because if you know what the other person is thinking or, you know, what they need from you, it's a lot easier to give that, you know, and especially, um, again, talking about a heterosexual couple, like if a woman is pregnant, sometimes the man can feel quite helpless. You know, he doesn't know, will I, you know, try and woo her? Is that what she's going to want? Is that what she needs? Or maybe I should just step back. And if he steps back, then the woman might think, you know, does he not find me attractive? Am I not, you know, now that I'm Spot pregnant? On, yeah. You know, and yeah. I think, so I really, really think, I know it's it's probably such a cliche, but I really think communication is key. i tell you what I work with a lot as well as women who still, of all ages, who still believe that it is up to their male partner to give them sexual pleasure. So there's a lot of pressure then on, and again, I work with a skewed cohort, so you're looking at me as if to go, Jesus. (laughs) 
but the, you know, the people who have difficulty with this stuff yeah. would would often have that approach. So when it so they 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 leave it up to their male partner to who gets it a bit right, maybe a bit wrong, maybe doesn't get it, whatever, and they have their sex life. But they're but not actually talking about it. Not, they mm. mustn't talk about it because if they talk about it, they're breaking that imagined fantasy. And it's the, illit- the, the literal elephant in the room. So then mm. the baby comes along. Things have changed for her. He hasn't a clue. He hasn't had the baby. And yet he's now supposed to provide her with a new level of pleasure. He didn't even get it right the first time necessarily or got it a bit right. But now there's changes happened he can't possibly know about. And he's supposed to provide her with her pleasure. So I think there's an element for some women to take responsibility for their own pleasure and to bring in an element, I think it's so important, of self-loving um, prior to giving birth, but also after giving birth. It's really hard. It's easy for me to say that. But to find a way of touching themselves, of loving themselves, I'm not talking about necessarily straight on masturbation to orgasm, but but ways to start re-engaging with your own body in a way that isn't just a mother body um, can really help for women as well. And also it helps to build their confidence to know when they're ready to be sexual with their partner if they're already touching themselves and becoming familiar with how they are. This thing of, I wonder if I'm different down there. Well, why not look? Yeah. Why not find out and keep looking and see how it's changing. And That can be absolutely terrifying concept. That was an amazing first part. And don't go anywhere because in part two, that's a very nice segue into discussing actually postpartum. So after you have your baby, um, what your rela- what's going on with your relationship and how sex is going to be a little bit different, but the same. And how to stay lovers while still raising kids and not stabbing each other. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range. Welcome back to part two of our Motherboard podcast. So we're going to talk about actually post-pregnancy, having had the baby, I certainly, and I mean, I will start this by giving my husband a public apology, which you'll love. I turned in to a bit of a monster in my own head when I had Felix. I found that there were so many pressures, uh, breastfeeding, recovering from the birth, absolute exhaustion. Then we had colic and we had a baby just literally that, you know, wouldn't sleep, that we lost a huge amount of the intimacy and that we'd never really had a proper, I mean, really good fight. Like we're just, we're not, we weren't really into that. By God, in the last six months, I've come up with a few new curse words that I'll save your blushes for. But I mean, really, really went for it. And we've kind of communicated our way out of it. And we're in a better place now because the baby's sleeping more. But it's really, really, really tough. Did you find that, Laura, or am I on my own on this one? No, I absolutely did. It is tough when you bring that baby home. Like, I think it's all well and good saying, oh, I felt great during pregnancy and I love giving birth. And then you bring a baby home. It's like, oh, my God. Nuclear bomb is the way you described it. Absolutely. And, you know, I've said to people that come into the pharmacy as well when they've got their new baby and they're exhausted and the colic, it's the colic or the crying or they're not knowing what's wrong with this person that's crying all the time, that, you know, it's OK to dislike your husband. It's mm. almost actually it's OK to hate your husband. And they're like, oh, my God, you're the first person to say that to me. I'm like, it is OK. You'll get through it. But just you need to try and get as if you can get sleep get sleep. You know, you, you you do need to give the baby to your husband when he comes in the door after work and you need to get out and do something for yourself so that you can then come back and be the person in the relationship that, you know, you want to be rather Just than this find mud. Just your, find yourself a bit Absolutely, more. Absolutely, yeah. And I think especially like breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, breastfeeding certainly makes it extremely intense, you know, because you are the sole reason for the baby feeding. So you're up all night with them, you're up all day with them. 
And probably a lot of women feel that the last thing they want is anyone to touch them. Once that baby's down, yeah. you know, sleeping at nighttime, the last thing you want is to be touched by anyone. You just want to be left alone almost. But I think it's important to communicate that to your partner. And also talk to your friends. I think we mm. don't talk enough about the reality yeah, there's of a, it. There's a sisterhood of people who've been through this. There is. And I think if we're if we're really honest with each other, we can, you know, all say that we've all been through it a little bit. You know, maybe to le- lesser degrees, some of us, more degrees, others. But I think if we were really open and honest with each other, that's what will actually, you know, bring us all through it. And I think that's a very challenging thing, though, about you know motherhood and that sort of thing it's actually being honest Emily do you find that sometimes even being honest with yourself with regards your needs in a relationship after you have a baby can be very challenging it is very challenging and I think there is still an element of women being brought up to believe that they should put themselves second third fourth and and always put someone else first so the more children they have the further down their own list they can go and it's not that they're doing it on purpose. It's not that they're trying to be a martyr and it's not that it's just we're kind of conditioned and we don't actually question that conditioning. We just kind of find ourselves in it because we're knackered and it's it's a tiring and a difficult time. So mm. it's not the time to go, hmm, now why am I doing that? Why am I thinking? You're just you trying to time. get from one yeah, moment to the next. The best thing you can yeah. do for yourself actually is to leave the house, leave the dirty yeah. laundry, leave the nappies strewn everywhere and go to the gym or do what you need to do, like go for a walk. It doesn't have to be anything really intense. Go for a glass. You know, I had a friend who said the, she went out on a Friday night for two glasses of red wine with a group of girlfriends and that was all she wanted to do and she did that and that was actually her saving grace mm. you know so I think you can do it in very many different ways but you need to find your way of getting that headspace I think we and all the need headspace it. is about self-care and not just about getting something else off done off your list you know that yeah. you're actually connecting to what you're yeah, doing you're as something good of for you to be ticked. You know, yeah. And Laura, did you find that as well after you've had your babies? Was it different with each one, or how did things settle down or affect affect your relationship? Um, I don't think it really was different with each one for me because really I've had I've had three babies in the last four years, so it was kind of just a, a whole whirl, whirlwind. But definitely, as as a mum before, I I. F- I think that it's so important not to put myself at the bottom of of my to do list, you know. Yeah. Um. And I think putting my relationship at the top of my to do list is really important. Like for me, the intimacy with my husband, um, really is what gets me through the days. You know, when when things are hard, and it doesn't have to be sex all the time. It can be, you know, holding hands or sitting side by side on the couch and talking about each other's day that day. You know, it doesn't always have to be, um an intimate relationship but I feel like for me as well sometimes I just want to be more than just a mum you know Mm. so I do want that intimate part of my relationship so I can feel like normal yeah and feel sexy and feel like a normal 31 year old and not just like my whole life is four kids and a laundry basket you know Um, so like and and it can even be dates like we would prioritise dates every every week and yeah I mean whatever whatever gets you through the day yeah, and it is, but it it can really just fall down. I mean, I find that it's not even putting yourself down the wrong. You can be there and then your relationship can be even lower than that. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I think problems can suddenly appear and they haven't just suddenly appeared, but you can actually start to recognise them. Mm-hmm. What Emily, what can we kind of advise people at home to kind of before they would have to get to a stage where they would have to maybe contact you to get some, you know, mm. real therapy. What are the steps that you can take to maybe prevent that happening? Well, it's really important to know that having sex or not having sex is a habit. Mm. 
So if you get out of the habit of having sex, which is perfectly normal and natural when you're having a baby, don't imagine for a minute that you're going to, for most of us, that you're going to fall back into yeah. rampant sex life. You have to break a habit of not having sex and then form a new habit. So you're thinking about, think about stopping smoking. Think about going to the gym or taking up anything that you want to do. It is effort. It's not, you know, we shouldn't, we should, I, I'd love us to get past the, but it's a, it's a, you know, relationships are great, but it's so much hard work. It's always been hard work to have a good relationship. It's hard work to have a good job. It's hard work to have great kids. It's hard work. That's what life is. Mm. And it's not a choice if you want a good one. So I think, first of all, stop blaming each other, stop blaming ourselves, stop feeling that we're somehow less than because we've had this period of time where sex wasn't on the cards. And then take it seriously. If you're going to change a habit, you need to put time into it. You need to schedule it. And prioritize it. And yeah. schedule it. It's, yeah. it's, I know it's unsexy. A lot of people come to me going, oh, but there's no spontaneity. The spontaneity comes within the time you've allocated to each yeah, other or to yourself. Yeah, really great point. You don't have to plan it to the nth degree, but do make sure you have the time allotted for yourselves, for, for yourselves alone and for yourselves as a couple. And one thing about dates, I think it's really important if you're knackered and you're out of the habit of having sex. I personally think going out for dinner is, is not always a great idea. Personally, I eat till I feel sick. That's what I do. I like it. <laughs> I go home. And the last thing I want to do yeah. then is have sex. Yeah. I'd suggest having sex, then going out for dinner, for example. It's just being clever mm. about these mm. things, playing to your strengths, rather than thinking um, you're going to go back to something that you had prior to kids. It's not going to happen. It's time to, re it's time to invent something new, actually. Yeah, we call Felix sometimes the kind of anti-sibling terrorist because we reckon that the minute that there's even so much as a snitch, yeah, yeah. he tends to they really kick off and he's determined to be a single <laughs> child. I think it's quite impressive, actually. He's very advanced. Oh, yeah. But like, Laura, did you find that with, you know, when you see people kind of coming into the pharmacy and stuff, you mentioned earlier, and I think it's a really important point to emphasise, to actually talk about it, not just with your partner, but with your friends and to be honest. Yeah, be really honest. You know, I think that we have this illusion and I you know I, I when I had my first baby there was no Instagram I, I didn't even have a I don't think I had a, mo I had a mobile but not it was not, not a smartphone or anything so you know Instagram perpetuates this feeling of wanting to be perfect and I think that as friends as your as your group of girlfriends you need to be really honest with each other I think that you know it you can make someone feel really bad if you're not honest if you're you know yeah. pretending that yeah. oh my god everything's wonderful and we just you know We love each other so much and we don't fight and our relationship is even better since we've had kids. Or the other way, that sometimes yeah. when everyone's having a good owl moan and yeah. one person is going, well, actually, things are... It's yeah. hard for them to say that. It's hard for them to say And you feel guilty for saying that, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. Well, let's remember we're Irish, so we've got guilt running through our veins. Yeah. We're yeah. going to do everything oh, with, do a, good with, good. A, with a bit of guilt, guilt thrown yes. in. So But we I, have to not worry about the guilt. We're all going to feel that. That's not a reason to stop or, or yeah. to do anything. Just take it for granted. We have it. Yeah. And then work away, yeah. One thing actually I heard um, years ago was about, you know the way if, you're, if your baby's cranky or your baby's like, you know, throwing things at you and, you know, being just pain in the arse really, you go, oh, he's just tired. Sometimes we should actually allocate that to our husbands or partners as well. Nice. And say, yeah. actually, Great. you know, they're yeah. acting mm. the goat, but they're just probably a bit tired. So, and just cut them a bit of slack. And yeah. I think sometimes when you cut each other a bit of slack and you're a little bit kinder to each other, 
things can just kind of fall Absolutely. into place. Absolutely, yeah. massively important. But I think it's also important to tell them you're cutting them a bit of slack yeah. with oh, love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise it can just... <laughs> let them know. Yeah. <laughs> but in a loving way, it's like you're having... Seriously, you're clearly, okay, I'm going to just leave you to it. Yeah. I'm doing this wrong. I've rubbed you up the wrong way. And I didn't mean to. So I'm just going to let you do your thing. You're tired, whatever. Yeah. But otherwise, your when you're busy, you miss... My <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lord. I'll put it in for you. <laughs> you have to sort of uh, let each other know when you're being kind because that can be missed when you're mm-hmm. so tired and busy you can not see that your partner is letting you off the hook or yeah. you know and then you don't realize that you're actually being kind mm-hmm. so there's a really good book called by called um, you might know of it called the five love languages by yes. gary chapman the messages are brilliant it's a really great book for couples to reconnect mm-hmm. um, and to find out how to love each other if i love you laura i need to love you the way you feel loved not the way i feel loved we're, we're different. So you might feel love by With getting gifts. And I, <laughs> hey, I got it right. We're on the same wavelength, <laughs> Emily. But I might need, I might need um, compliments. Okay, so you yeah. might be buying me handbags and going, God, she's really ungrateful. And I'm going, why can't she just tell me I'm fabulous? So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, learning, it's, it's learning the other person's language. If you're going to put the effort into love someone, why not love them the way they will feel loved? I mean, it's great. It makes comments great for busy people, you know, to get that right. It's an easy book to read together as well. It's, it's light reading, I but think very useful. For us, since having the four kids, I think there's a new found respect for each other and a new found appreciation of each other. Because you're in this together. Yeah, and, and you know how tough it is for the other person. And I think then when you do get time to spend together, we appreciate it a lot more. Or if we do get time to be intimate, then it's it's appreciated a lot more. Um, yeah, I would totally us. agree with that. Like my husband, like Gar, is still my favourite person. Although yeah. you know he came very close to uh, going that. going yeah. off the balcony. But on I think a it's of important to remember that you know to through it all, through the tough times, and through the mm-hmm. part where you may hate him as well. That deep down, you know, he is your favourite person. Mm-hmm. You know, and Emily, just to kind of get back to what people can do at home. You know, if people are finding it tough and they're trying to navigate this newness, which is parented, or even if maybe they're a couple of years down the line and they're actually listening to this kind of going, actually, I would like to do something mm-hmm. about that. What steps if people do feel that that things have they want a little bit better? How, what mm-hmm. can they do? Well, I think what Laura just said is really, really vital. And uh, uh, um, the way I put it is that we, we make a conscious decision every day to love our person to be in love with them. In other words, to stop focusing on what they're getting wrong and to remember, why am I with this person? It's really empowering for you because otherwise we're walking around going, God, I'm an idiot being with this person. They're, you know, (laughs) so... It, it boosts your own yeah. your own morale, but it also helps with the relationship yeah. massively. Then you can begin also, as I was saying earlier, to, to work on these issues as a couple, as a team, rather than as opposites, you know, so lowering the judgment and lowering the defensiveness, you know. Because um, it's, so it. it's so it's easy so to be, it's so easy to be defensive because it is such a personal thing. And not compare yourself to anyone else. Totally. My goodness, like, yeah. but it's all just habit, Emily, as you said. Like habits it's, are the big thing. And it's thing. such, it's it so habit. easy to get into like a rut of even not having sex. And the less sex you have, the less so sex true, you want Laura. to have. That's totally. true for women. And then there's a pressure, Absolutely. like when when you go, oh yeah, maybe we will have sex again after a couple of weeks. Not, and you, there's such a huge pressure. Like you know, you feel mm. nervous all over again, mm. and then you do it, and then you go. Oh, oh, yeah, that, I do like this. Nice. Yeah. yeah, oh, I remember why we do this now. You know, and I think it's it's about habit and it's about recognising that, you know, sometimes you just have to... 
Well, this is something that women don't really understand in long-term relationships as well. It is an actual choice. Mm. It gets to a point in a long-term relationship where you love your person, you fancy them, you're in good shape, nothing's on the Mm. cards, you could have sex, or you could do the laundry. And it's like, "Mm, I'm really, it's a balance. I'm really not sure which I'd prefer to do. So in that moment, (laughs) women will often think there's something wrong with the relationship or with me. Actually, it's just what happens in long-term relationships. So in that moment, you choose okay, I know that in five or ten minutes I will so actually to be into this. Time yes. So just yes. make those... Women have to decide to get horny. Men do it a different yeah. way. And when you baby puke in your hair, when your boobs are leaking, when your backside hurts, you've got, it can you've got a baby really, belly roll. Really, 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 really So tough. again, reassess what sex has to mean. Sleep naked. Get reassurance if you're worried about your tummy, if you're worried about your vagina, if you're worried about how you're going to look or feel or see. Talk to your partner about it. What's important? Is it that you get to to nurture these feelings of inadequacy or you get your partner and you to start building yourself up again? Because, you know, if you feel better about yourself, you're going to want to have sex. You get your partner to help you with that. Mm. And don't be worried. You've had a baby. Your tummy is going to be different. Your vagina is going to be different. It doesn't mean it's going to be worse. And your partner fell in love with all of you, not just your vagina and, and your now tummy. And some extra bits too. So there you go. There's <laughs> just more of me to love. Oh, yeah. On a final note, and I think this is the one, when I think when I was doing research about this, one of the questions that keeps coming up is, how often hmm. is it normal to have sex? My answer to that was, I don't think there is one. I'll go to Laura. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think there is a normal. I don't even think there's a normal per couple because I think it changes with every stage and with every child. And you know, um, I think both people in a relationship will have will have different sex drives. So it's about finding that balance. You know, definitely for us of what keeps both of them happy and loved and satisfied and finding that balance for your own normal. Mm-hmm. I think but that also that's not feeling pressurized and that exactly, is a balancing act in and of Exactly. Itself. And again communication to see, you know, what each other need and want. I think masturbation yeah. and self-love are vital because you can then take the pressure off your partner if you're able to please yourself. There's a little bit of that going on. But also, again, coming back to being knackered and tired but wanting to connect intimately, if you broaden your your um, menu from just penetrative sex to masturbation to mutual masturbation or masturbating next to each other and loving each other. So taking know, care of each other in lots of different ways in and lots not of just different being ways. so, you know, yeah. single-minded. If you know how to give yourself an orgasm and your partner knows how to give themselves an orgasm you can do that in five minutes and you can kiss at the beginning and you can kiss at the end. You can hold each other and you can make it an intimate I experience. I five, you know. <laughs> well, to. there's a good team. That's your team, I obviously. Jest, I so. And Laura, what do you think? I don't think that there is a normal. Absolutely not, you know. And it varies with relationships, varies with people, mm. varies with the time of year, <laughs> varies with the time of day. Yeah. I just think, you know. And also, I think there's always hope. I think if somebody's listening to this and that, that it has kind of dissipated Again, just get back to that communication thing. So thank you so much to my lovely panel for joining me today. Thank you for being so open and honest about um, the kind of the world of relationships and how things change. And I really respect you all sharing your stories because it's not easy. And hopefully we've opened up a few conversations for people to have with their partners and their friends. Um, Please like and subscribe to the Motherboard podcast. And thank you so much for listening. And lastly, don't forget to review all positive stuff um, and give us your feedback. We'd love to hear it. Thank you and have a great day. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range.